Good. Hey, who's excited about Every Woman 2016? I'm excited. My wife's going to be there. I won't be there, unfortunately, but there's, there's good reason for that. But it starts tonight right here at uh, Every Woman, the big night out. And I was thinking it's Every Woman and a few men. A few jo- Good on you, Tim, for sitting in the front row. You're a brave man, and I appreciate that. Was that by choice, or were you told what you had to do? Pastor Nat. Fantastic. For those who don't know who I am, my name is Terence, and I have the privilege of uh, serving at C3 Church. I look after the TV department, uh, department over at Oxford Falls. Uh, my wife and I also work in media. We did a show called Positive Hits a little while ago, and I'm passionate about the subject tonight. I'm passionate about tonight. When I was kind of thinking about the odds, the fact that there's, you know, one man and so many wonderful women, I thought, I need to pray. And, and I did pray, and I did hear from God, and I reckon tonight is going to be absolutely a destiny-defining moment. A destiny-defining moment for every woman, for every girl, for every daughter of Jesus Christ, because God is going to reveal the why behind the what. Reveal the why. Why do I exist? I don't know if you've ever asked the question, you know, why do I look like this? Why do I think this way? Why did you shape me this way? Well, the news tonight for you is that you've been designed by the designer of heaven, and he doesn't make a mistake. You have been designed by the designer of heaven to be divinely different. And my prayer for you and our prayer for you as we get to this esteemed panel in just a second is that you would be able to say like David, the psalmist who wrote in Psalm 139 verse 14, and when he said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He said, marvelous are your works, and this my soul knows very well. Our prayer is that by the end of tonight, you'd be able to say with no question, no ambiguity, that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and this my soul knows very well. So who's excited about hearing from the panel tonight? Some words of wisdom from these wonderful women. And let's get straight into this. Let's pray, actually. Father, we just welcome you here tonight. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is here, that we've welcomed you as we worshiped you. And we thank you that you are here to bestow beauty, dignity, and honor to your daughters, to let them know who they truly are and who they already are in Jesus Christ. So speak to us, we pray. Our hearts are open to hear from you a word in season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, Pastor Nat, what a privilege and an honor to be here tonight. I think I wanted to celebrate you and the fact that you would have heaven's eyes to think about a night like this to represent heaven. Because who knows in heaven, there's a beautiful diversity. There's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, but all are one in Jesus Christ. And for you to have the foresight and the insight to orchestrate this night for everyone to hear from heaven, you've got a pastor and pastors from all the different locations who hear from God and have planned a night for you to be blessed. So why don't we just honor them, all the team who have put this sign on, privilege and an honor, and especially to hear some words of wisdom so I don't get in trouble anymore at home. So I'm excited about tonight. So as you heard from our panel, we do have Jody, who is amazing when it comes to reaching out and speaking to the next generation of not only teenagers, but you also speak to parents and you speak to them about how to parent in this digital age, because that does change everything. I was going to go through and introduce uh, you all, but I will as I come to you. I'm going to start with uh, the mother of the house, as you refer to, Pastor Rhonda. And I just love the fact that we can all learn from you. Being a mum, being someone who's actually raised your kids successfully into teenage years, that's a a win in itself. I've got two and I'm I'm, I'm hoping I can make it. I I can do this. 
But I, I was just thinking, uh, for you, when it comes to parenting, you know, we live in a world that celebrates sameness. If you fit in, you're celebrated because it's, there's safety and sameness. But I reckon our destiny is in our difference. And for you, someone who's had to, off Lebanese background, you know, you were always different. How did you discover your difference and learn to celebrate that? Sorry to get you, Lee. Well, for me, it was really easy because the first day I went to school, I realised I was very, very different because when I would open my mouth and speak, nobody knew what I was saying. And when they would speak to me, I had no idea what they were saying. So I couldn't even speak English when I started in kindergarten. So I knew straight away that I was really, really different. And it kind of, I kind of carried that right through my primary years at school, um, that I was very different to the other kids. Yeah. And divinely different at that. Divinely different, yes. I thought God might have been Lebanese, but... <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And ladies, uh, how we'll do this tonight, let's just have fun and make this real, yeah? yeah. So if you've got anything you want to uh, share, just jump in and, and say it. Uh, one thing I'll just say, one last thing, is to sort of set the framework for tonight. In thinking about the Choose Real campaign, you know, I thought one word over tonight that God wants to bestow upon each uh, daughter and woman here is the word identity that we would discover who we are in Jesus Christ. And once we discover that and realize that we are divinely different, that we're divine meaning that we're just like God, created in His image, but we're also different. As unique as the fingerprint is, as unique as your voice pattern, your hair, the way you look, the way you think, that you are divinely different and He made you for a purpose. And when you discover that and when you play that part, then you will complete the masterpiece that God has created here on earth. And as we're singing, earth, earth being like heaven and heaven coming to earth, that's how heaven comes to earth, as you discover your part and play it. So I'm excited about hearing how you discovered that. And uh, you had something else to say? I, no, yeah, I just wanted to say, when I, when I found Jesus, when I realised how he made me, I imagined that he was the most beautiful artist and he brought all these fabrics and colours and all sorts of different things together and he laid them out. And he chose me to be Lebanese. He chose me to speak another language. He chose for me to have the skin colour that I have. So if I, if I was to say anything, that once you know who you are and that he chose to make you and create you, the masterpiece, as you said, Terence, that you are, then you can really know and appreciate who God made you to be. Awesome. Now, it mustn't have been easy, because I, I can imagine growing up, I know my sister, we're from Jamaican heritage, and, and she was black growing up. I was kind of okay being, you know, the Jamaican guy. It's kind of, you know, unique and different in Wagga Wagga. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I was the only black guy there. But it was kind of cool, because I was a novelty. But for my sister, she found it really tough. Were there some hard moments, and how did you have to find God to celebrate that you were enough? Yeah, um... It was difficult, especially growing up. You always felt less. And it's not that you wanted to be more. It's just that you wanted to belong and be the same. And, you know, when you find out, you know, about Christ, and especially if you come to Silverwater, you realise that what heaven is like. You know, heaven is full of colour. Heaven is full of all different types of people, nationalities, languages. And, you know, God made us that way because he chose us that way. You know, it's his choice. So true. Now, Jody, you go into schools and you speak to a lot of teenagers about, you know, finding their identity and celebrating. And I think once you discover who you are, the whole thing is to choose real continually, choose the real you in Jesus Christ, choose who you are. But I think this generation faces something that we as a generation haven't really had to face, and that's the whole social media. I love it because my parents live in Wagga, family in Jamaica, we can communicate. 
But one of the challenges of social media is that it sort of exacerbates the comparison trap. How have you navigated that where you're comparing yourself to people and sometimes you mightn't feel good enough or you may? And how do you encourage teenagers to navigate social media? Yep, it's a big one. <laughs> um, I think, like, it's, a, it's an ongoing battle. I wouldn't say that I have defeated it or, you know, conquered it. Um, you know, because there are those moments where, let's say in the past, you know, uh, as women, we might sort of see another woman and think, oh, she's prettier than me or she's better than me or whatever it might be. And you go home to your own house and you're safe. But these days, you social media, you take it with you everywhere you go. You know, you're looking all night long or whatever it might be um, on your phones. Teenagers, like, you know, you'd be shocked at the ones that spend till three, four in the morning on social media. Um, and and so it's a huge issue, and I think it's a it's a great tool, but it's also something that we need to constantly be educating young people in, educating ourselves in. Um, as far as comparison goes, I guess, like, it's just about getting comfortable with who you are. I know for me personally, years ago, I was so insecure and shy, and this is before social media even was huge, um, and, and really struggled with just being who I was called to be. And I remember a leader, a youth leader in my life coming to me and saying, you know, Jodie, I see you like on this jetty type, you know, peer thing and everyone's jumping in around you and having all this fun and you know that you're supposed to be jumping in having fun too, but you, you're holding back. And, and it was like this moment where God just spoke to me and said, girl, I've created you to jump in and have fun in this life. Like just throw off everything that's holding you back and go for it. And, um, you know, I constantly have to remind myself of that, even when I'm looking at social media, that, you know, it's not potentially, for me, it's not so much about her body shape or her whatever, it's more what they're doing with their life or they seem so much further ahead than me and all that kind of stuff. But it's constantly just going, okay, God, I'm running my race. I'm doing what you have called me to do. And I love um, Romans 12 too in the message that says, don't fit in so easily to your culture without thinking about it, you know, but actually ask God what his way is and what, and what his will is. And so I would encourage you as women, you know, as us, myself as well, to not just fit so easily into our culture, not just constantly be about, um, you know, posting the next image and, and always comparing ourselves, but just always constantly bringing it back to God. God, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am, God? You know, read his word, get his word over your life rather than what's on our screens and our devices. So, so good. It's good, huh? Excellent. Can I? Go for it, Heidi. Now, Heidi, you also, you run a bit of a social movement, you could say. It's a, it's a, it's a movement, it's a website, it's a blog called blush.com.au, by the way. And I think it's important because you're a creative type and you and you write there, you've got skills as a designer, but you also created this website because you've had to go through your personal journey of celebrating you and choosing the real you each time. Can you tell us a bit about that? Definitely. Um, well, yeah, it's been a long journey, actually. Um, growing up, I struggled with an eating disorder and depression and anxiety um, for a good, you know, 10 years of my life. And, you know, that was from a very early teenager into my adulthood. Even when I was married, I was still recovering from an eating disorder. So it's been a, a long journey. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's definitely about choosing. I think um, Terence said it and Jodie confirmed it, choosing 
um, who you are every day. It's not just a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, I'm set free. It's a working out your faith from day to day, and that's definitely been my journey. It's been my reality. Every single day, I bring my life onto the altar, and that's where Jesus kisses me, and he meets me where I'm at, and that's where I find his freedom every single day. His love is relentless. The enemy is relentless, but his love is 10,000 times more relentless. And so for me, that's been my journey. That's been the reality. It's been, it's been a hard slog, but every single day I've found his freedom. And I have been completely and miraculously set free from the eating disorder. And I have been completely and miraculously set free from the depression and anxiety as well. The two different points in my life. The depression and anxiety, I was set free only sort of more recently, um, but definite moments. But leading up to those moments where it was a journey of extreme hard work and, and succumbing to his love, succumbing to him and learning who I am in him. And it was just, yeah, it was, a, it was, it was groundwork up until that point of freedom, of completely being set free in his love and finally getting it and having it click in your spirit. Um, so that's why Blush came about. Because <laughs> um, I just wanted that to be let out into the world. Not for me, but for his glory. Because it's his love that sets us free. Um, so yeah, that's okay. where I started. So Hyde, say someone's sitting here. Because I mean, my wife personally has also suffered from depression. And it's tough. As a husband, you sit there and you think, I want to do something, but I don't know what to do to help. Yeah. And someone might be sitting here and for whatever reason, feeling depressed and, and, and anxious. And you said it was a, a journey and a process. What is something they could do tomorrow? What's step one in that journey? What's the first step that you took towards healing? That's a really good question. Um, I guess I was a very ambitious child and it started from when I was quite young because I was depressed as a young child um, and I came in and out of depression. But I guess for me it was not giving up. So every single day I had to face this self-loathing sort of oppressive spirit on my life. And there was something inside of me and everybody has this. God didn't create us without this niggle. You know, it's like the God niggle. It's the God cry. Everybody has it and you just got to let it out. You've just got to find it. But I had this niggle that I was not going to give up, that my God is faithful and so you've got to get locked into that zone. And it's really hard when you're depressed because you can't see properly. There's a fog over you and you actually can't see what's ahead of you and what's going on. But you can still have that niggle. You can still hear that niggle. And I think you've got to lock yourself into that zone where that niggle just gets louder and louder and louder. And it, and it, I'm, it is a pro I'm going to be really real with you. It's a process. It's, it's a journey. And you've got to shift your mind you've got to the Lord transforms you by changing the way you think that is the only way it happens he changes the way you think so it is every day making your thoughts subject to him subject to him what does his word say about you and you've got to get your gloves on I mean I went through a season of my life where I physically imagined myself putting boxing gloves on and actually punching the negative words and I'm a very visual person punching those negative words that would just come at me constantly in my mind. And I, I had to get my fight on. I had to find my, my strength. And it was, it was from years of just 
bending into that niggle. That's, that's the best way I can describe it. It's sort of a hard thing to describe. So good. So you pushed in, you fought, read the word, let that transform your mind. So good. The word was absolutely key. The power of the word is breathing and living and it continues to do a mighty work in you. And so you can read a scripture and then it not really mean much to you in that moment. But then five years later, bam, you know, it's just something clicks. It's great. Anyone else want to add some thoughts on how? So for you, okay, let's let me ask, because I remember once when, actually, no, I won't tell stories about my wife. I'll get in trouble just in case this is being being recorded. But with you, Rhonda, was, is there, if you had one, 30 seconds, and you had to say one thing to your daughter growing up, what would you say to her in regards to discovering that identity and, just, and celebrating her difference? Um, that's a really good question. I, and I know, um, you know, I, I've seen in, even within our family what depression is like. And I know that it's, it's always constantly telling yourself what God says, exactly what you said, Heidi that you are loved, you are precious, you are valuable, you are more than enough, you you are everything I wanted you to be. Just to hear the words that God's saying, that's what I would say to my daughter, that I love you, that you you know, you know are precious, and all those wonderful affirm, affirming words, that's what I would say. But I, I need to tell mums too that, especially going back to this whole um, social media, it's okay as a mum to tell your child, you know what, you're, you're not really um, strong right now with this, why don't we turn it off for a bit? Why don't we have a break for a bit? Because sometimes if you're getting all this stuff coming in, it's just another window that you just need to close for a while. And, and if I could say that to, you know, to any mum and any daughter, that's, that's something I really want to encourage us to do, that we do have the power as mums to say that, you know? To any woman. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to be a mum or a daughter. <laughs> yeah, like, right. <laughs> honestly, there are times where you just have to have a break. Yeah. To have a social media break. Stop filling your mind with all those images and fill your mind with the Word of God, you know? Um, I actually, there's this thing I read that if we tell people we love them two times a day, by the time they're 10, they've heard the message 7,300 times. Media research shows that they receive messages that you're too fat, you're too skinny, you're not good enough, you're too poor, blah, 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 all that kind of thing. Negative messages, 3,000, up to 3,000 a day. By the time they're 10, they've heard it 10,950,000 times. So, you know, the encouragement is, let's, like social media is great, let's use it as a great tool, but let's have those times where we switch it off and, you know, and celebrate, have real girl time, get out, have fun, face-to-face time, real life communication. Excellent. So what are some of the, uh, the boundaries when it comes to social media? Because I know when I'm feeling a bit, bit down sometimes, I'll, I'll post that beach picture um, from two years ago when I was fit. Was that too much information? And then I look on there and I see someone else, someone like Tim with a 12-pack instead of my six-pack. But what are the boundaries? I know some, some parents say that their kids, for example, don't take their, the phones into their rooms so they don't get on social media. But I think some people, times you, you wake up and the first thing you're seeing is, is all these different people's posts. It can be challenging. What boundaries do you put around it when it comes to social media to make sure that you're not constantly bombarded with comparison to other people? Um, well, I always like talk to parents about the fact that um, we set boundaries and consequences, sorry, consequences for our kids in every other area. Why wouldn't we in the digital world? Yep. And I, I always encourage them to say, you know, you're the coach. 
And, and the, the deal is get your family together. And, you know, if you don't have kids, you can just do this for yourself. What's your game plan? Develop a game plan for your life because you want to win. You want to kick goals. You want to succeed in life. So, you know, together set some boundaries. Together set some consequences. Actually have that kind of stuff mapped out so that when those moments come where the boundaries are overstepped, everyone knows, well, this is what the consequence is because we set this boundary together. Um, for me, personally, it's probably something that I'm constantly, you know, trying to kick myself up the butt with. Um, Tim is very good these days. He doesn't take the phone into the bedroom at all. I probably need to learn from him. Um, but I have gotten a lot better in that, you know, I have my phone there for an alarm, but I make myself not look at it until I've read the Bible or, you know, like... and. I've got to be honest, guys, I don't do it every day. Some days I do look at social media first, all right? Let's choose real tonight, let's be honest. But, you know, I think it's just stuff like that and it's constantly just reminding yourself that these are my boundaries. I've got to keep putting them in place, not fitting into the culture so easily. But, yeah. Well, speaking about some stats with the um, I Choose Real campaign, and this is from the website for, for that, it says 62% of girls are insecure about themselves. Is there... A part of yourself that you were insecure about, that you're brave enough to share, that you had to learn to love? Who's yes. brave enough to go for it? <laughs> oh yeah, that was a long list. <laughs> um, uh, uh, where do I start? I, I had a very warped perception of myself, so I'd look in, at myself in the mirror and every single morning I'd basically bruise myself like silly till I, till I get ready to go to school. So it was things like, your mouth is too big, um, you're, you're, you're not skinny enough, which was ridiculous because I was a scrawny little kid, but I just, it was a lie, you know, coming from straight from the pit of hell. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of insecurities that, um, I mean, I couldn't function properly. I, in all honesty, I, would, I was very socially awkward <laughs> and I, you know, wasn't great with friends and it was, it was um, debilitating. So, yeah, I, I could easily talk about the list of insecurities that I felt growing up. But it just goes to show how, I mean, I, I don't feel any of that attacking me these days. It's amazing, I mean, I'm still human. You still have those days where you're like, oh, I got cellulite on my bum, you know, it's... And then, but then you just go, oh, who cares? Like, what, what does it matter? You know, you've got to be lighthearted. You've got to laugh at yourself and go, yeah, I'm not perfect. Thank yeah. goodness I'm not perfect. Because if I was, who, what sort of depth would I have to myself? I would have nothing. The, the brokenness is what lets the light shine out, yeah. you know. So I've learned a lot through that journey and I'm set free. And yeah. it just a testament, a testament to God's goodness. So, yeah. And can I just say as well, ladies, like guys suffer from this stuff as well. I don't know if you've got a man in your world as a husband or maybe one of your sons, but I remember growing up and I thought, oh man, my nose is too big or my lips are too big. My wife loves that now, by the way, but there's, there's, there's benefits to these things. But you grow up with these insecurities, and it, it's interesting, I don't know who said it to me, I don't know if it was a movie I was watching, but I heard someone say that once, whenever you start to feel insecure about yourself, find something about someone else and compliment them. And it's amazing how that shifts when the focus comes off you and you start to compliment someone else and you just become that person that everyone wants to be around because you make them feel so good. And for me, that just transformed everything about me. And as I'm sitting here thinking, I don't know if someone's asking the question, why did God make you a certain way? But who knows that if God wanted you to be taller, he would have made you taller. If he wanted you to be skinnier, 
Come on, somebody. He would have made you skinnier. If you needed to be more creative or more administrative, he would have made you like that. But you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that you have been designed by the designer of heaven for the destiny that he's created you for. And once you learn to embrace and celebrate that difference and celebrate the difference in others, that is how heaven comes to earth. Come on. Is that good? I want to, I'm ready to preach up in here, Pastor Nat. Come on, just give me a, a big Hammond B3 organ up in there. This is, we're getting ready. Come on. We're just warming up for you. Okay, it says that 56% of teens feel that the media's advertisements are the main cause of low self-esteem. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, actually, let me ask you, Rhonda, before I go there. I mean, have you had to navigate the challenge and obviously use discretion here, but with your daughter growing up, seeing her as a mother, how did you help any areas or even your sons? Look, it's a tough area because um, I, I try and explain, especially with my daughter who, you know, when you look in the mirror and you say, well, look, I don't like my hair and I, I'm this and I'm that. And even now, you know, look at my tummy and all this sort of stuff. I, I often like to say, well, you know, Pastor Phil does these magnificent paintings and they're so beautiful and we've got a couple in this building. Imagine if Pastor Phil was standing behind me and I was sort of saying, that colour's dreadful, those shapes are terrible, that paint is so glug, you know, gluggy and if I criticised that painting and Pastor Phil was standing behind me, how would he feel? You know, when, when we look in the mirror and we, and we criticise what we look like, I, I just want to put this question, how do you think God feels when he put his heart into making you, when he knew what you were going to look like before one cell was together, when he built you and made you in that secret place? You know, how does God feel when we look at ourselves? And, you know, I think we have to know as well, and I'm, I'm getting to that stage now where I'm kind of getting beyond even middle age, but... It's like those sort of things, they're not eternal. They don't last. None of that lasts. But what does last is the other stuff that God puts inside you, the stuff that's really important, you know, the character, the integrity, uh, all those sort of things. And I, I'd love the shift to, to go from what the world tells us on television to what does God tell us and, and how he made us, you know. Can I add to that too? Um, just think about this as well. Imagine if you put all your energy into how you think, like into your, the energy that you put into your looks and into how you feel about yourself. Imagine if you kind of shifted that into your character and into what you're destined to do and into listening to what God has for you. I mean, imagine how powerful we would be as a gathering of, of women, you know, if we all of a sudden just closed the door on that a little bit and sort of said, no, we're going to spend more time on this. It would revolutionize the, our movement, do you know what I mean? And also, I just want to mention, you know, God gave me a vision once, and it was my spirit, basically. And it, I, I was still struggling a little bit with a few things, and God was taking me through a bit of a journey. And all of a sudden, I had this beautiful vision of this incredible creature, and it was basically what my spirit looks like. And it was like something out of Revelation. From head to toe, I was magnificent, and I've never said that about myself before in, in my whole entire life up until that point. I'd never looked at myself in that way and said, I'm magnificent. But I can stand here today and say that because he's given me that vision of who I am, who I really am. This doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. It's who I am on the inside, who he's built me to be. He's built me with lion lion feet so that I can run and jump. I've got wings. You've never seen anything like it. I have light beams coming out of my hand that represent the joy that is my strength. Like this is an incredible 
vision that I, you just can't make this sort of stuff up. And each and every one of you have that sort of spirit inside of you that he's crafted and it's it's so unique and different for every single person. And that's what we have to catch. That's what we've got to see when we look in ourselves in the mirror. We've got to go, I am a lioness with wings that can fly above the circumstances, that can run like nothing else, that can jump over the, the darkness. You know, I've got these features about me in my spirit that actually means so much more than the features on my face. That's what we've got to see. Sorry, I just... I'm passionate about this. You know, I just want to jump in as well and just say, I honestly believe that there is an attack on women because if we realized how beautiful and how powerful we truly are, it would revolutionize the world that we live in. And, you know, even with the media sexualizing women and just the mixed messages that come through and the negativity and it's all about, you know, image and look and all that. But honestly, if we as an army of women right here tonight could get a hold of how beautiful we truly are, of how magnificent and how powerful we are in our creator's eyes, we could seriously change the world that we live in. So rise up, women of God. Come on. Amen. Come on. Why don't we thank the panel? Absolutely brilliant. Before you go, 30 seconds. I just want to say this. I think the one theme I hear coming out of all of this is that each one of us are so uniquely designed, that you are a designer's original. And I think God's prayer and God's heart for you is that because you are a designer's original, that you wouldn't die an inferior copy. And that you'd realize that what makes you different actually makes you special. And what makes you different makes you unique. And what makes you different makes you necessary that you are needed here on earth, and you need to know that. And as a man, one thing, if I can say this to you, the most beautiful and attractive thing in a female and a woman of God that I see in my wife, that I see in my daughter, is when you know and you celebrate what makes you different and you're confident in that, that is the most attractive thing. If you will just embrace the way the Creator has designed you, I'm telling you that it will attract heaven's blessing and beauty upon you, and you'll be unstoppable, unshakable, and unmovable. In Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Well, thank our panel once again. I think we are going to hand over to Chrissy. Why don't you welcome Chrissy as she comes? Thank you, Terence. Can we thank the panel one more time? That was amazing. Oh, my goodness. I want some of that. I'm ready to take it on. Lionesses, are we ready? Are we ready to give here tonight? Um, we're going to go into a time of giving on your seats. You will see our tithing cards. And we're going to welcome our incredible um, Pastor Emma all the way from Penrith. Can we welcome beautiful Pastor Emma? And don't forget, get on Heidi's website. I'm about to jump on that right now. It's going to be awesome. Oh, Pastor Emma, you're going down there. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Thank you. Well, how good is this? I mean, I'm loving all the, the gold nuggets that were coming off that stage and, and the worship, and, and I'm having fun. Give me a wave if you are having fun too. I think uh, we are in for such uh, a treat tonight. So why don't we take a moment now just to, to come around the Word and uh, hear what God has to say about our giving. So if we can um, turn to John chapter 12 uh, from verses 1 to 3, that would be amazing. Fantastic. It should come up on the screen too for you. It says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. 
Now Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of puanard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house, ladies, the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Let me tell you that something amazing was happening right there in that room. So many years ago, something incredible was taking place. There was a a transaction that was taking place between Jesus and Mary. And here was this woman, Mary, so utterly and overwhelmingly consumed with gratefulness to Jesus Christ that she was seeking him out. And I think she actually went against every possible taboo in her culture right then. She should have been in the kitchen, right, with Martha serving and cooking and preparing a feast for all these men that were in her house. And yet, what did she do? She drew close to Jesus. She came close to Jesus. Jesus. She sought him out and with such urgency and intention in her spirit. And I think what's amazing right now is that she, she actually deliberately came to the feet of Jesus. You know, God wants us to come to the very feet of Jesus too. And, uh, and uh, let me um, just go through a couple of things. See, before this happened, uh, only days before Mary was in that exact same room, the exact same house with her sister, grieving over the loss of her sick brother. She was mourning, she was upset. And uh, Jesus, he had a love, an absolute love for Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He loved them dearly and he was filled with compassion when he found out that Lazarus has died. So what did he do? He came He came, Jesus comes. He's filled with compassion for us. He comes and he came to that place and he went to the exact tomb where Lazarus was buried. Four days, four days Lazarus was in that tomb and Jesus Christ stood out the front and he said, Lazarus, get up and come out. Now an incredible miracle happened that day and I can't even imagine what joy Mary would have felt when she saw her brother walk out of that tomb that day. The the gratefulness and the gratitude and and the emotion that would have been welling up inside inside of her, the very depths of her soul would have been so consuming. And so when Jesus came to that house that day and she had an opportunity to show how thankful she was, she did just that. And, and it gets really remarkable here, right? Because she's holding in her hand something very expensive. It's a, it's a large amount of perfume. Now, I would kill my husband if he, if he spent a year's worth of wages on an expensive perfume like this. But that is what she did. She held in her hands a perfume that cost so much. It was precious. It was it was incredibly dear. And she not she didn't just dab it, she poured it on Jesus' feet. She poured it all over his feet. There was no holding back. Sometimes, ladies, we hold back with Jesus. He wants us to come to him and give not just not just a, a gift that is, you know, what what we 
you know, have uh, in our hands, but sometimes a gift that is over and above, so much more. And Mary, she, she gave out of her thankfulness for everything that he had done for her in her own life, everything that he had done for her brother and everything that she believed for her future. You see, the day the miracle took place, something happened in her revelation of Christ. She believed in the authority that he had. Her revelation of his identity was completely changed and transformed. And she believed that day in the power of God. And she also understood for the first time the amazing grace that he has. I want us to think for a moment, as she poured that perfume in that room, there was a beautiful fragrance that filled the air. Now, everyone in that room will never forget what they saw. You see, smell ignites a memory in us. It's a powerful, it's our strongest sense in our body. They all saw what she did. And let me tell you that that generous people, people who are able to sacrifice in their own lives, not just in giving financially, but across your whole life, people who do amazing sacrifices to Jesus. They have an aroma that just, it flows all over them. You can spot a generous person. You can sense a generous person. So while we grab our offerings right now and hold them dear to us, I want us to think for a moment, how long has it been since you have come to the feet of Jesus with a thankful heart for everything that he has done for you? Now, I know that sometimes that's the easy part, but when you have to go and sacrificially thank God for things that you are believing for, that's the hard part. But that's, that's Mary. She believed in the revelation of the power of Jesus for her future. So if you are believing tonight for two, or 2016 for some miracles to take place in your world, here is a chance right now to come and, and, uh, and I guess, be at the feet of Jesus, thankful and proclaiming for everything that you are believing. I even think every woman, you know, I'm believing for great things for every woman uh, for this year. And I, and I believe that we're going onward and upward this year, and we're going to discover the richness of Christ. So why don't we grab a hold of our offerings? I'm going to pray, and then we're going to take up our offering. Lord, I thank you so much for every woman. I thank you that you believe in us, that you see in us, that you have our back. I thank you, God, that you you have um, poured upon us the richness of blessings. God, I pray that as we give right now out of a place of thankfulness and gratitude for everything that we have seen you do, and I pray that as we come and we give to you for everything that we want to see you do, God, that you will bless us that this will not be a hard transaction in some ways, but it will just be easy because we trust you. Lord, I thank you and I pray for your blessing upon all these women and their finances. Everyone says amen. Fantastic. Well, we are going to look to the screens very shortly for a promo for our uh, Presence Conference, which is coming up in April. And I know for me, I cannot literally count on my, my fingers how many people I know whose lives have been radically changed because they chose to attend.